Audio storytelling has become increasingly popular, with many taking to the microphone to share their voices, opinions, and stories through the spoken word. But it isn't just about personal expression. Podcasting connects people and can be an outlet for those underserved by traditional media. I'm Samantha Jolin, and you're listening to the Community Podcast Initiative. The goal of the CPI is to produce and promote podcasting as a way to amplify underrepresented voices through audio storytelling. This initiative is based out of Mount Royal University, which is located on Treaty 7 territory. The CPI is powered by Shaw. In this episode, I sit down with the co-directors of the Community Podcast Initiative, Brad Clark and Meg Wilcox. This spring, they hosted the Planning Your Podcast event that took place at the Riddell Library at Mount Royal University. Podcasting has become incredibly popular over the years, and both of our guests have extensive experience in making them. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, Brad and Meg have invaluable insights to share about the planning process that goes into creating a successful podcast. We discuss everything from finding your niche and developing your content to selecting the right equipment and promoting your show. They provide you with the tools and strategies you need to get started in this exciting and quickly changing space. How did you both become interested in podcasting? I'll jump in and say that um, I've always just loved audio. That's my my background. My professional background was mostly working in audio for CBC, with CBC Radio. And I um, spent a lot of time doing radio documentaries for some of the big network shows. And I just so enjoyed it. And then when I started teaching and, and podcasting became a, a bigger and bigger thing. I was just such a fan of it. I, I embraced it really early on. And um, um, so I've, I've just always really been keenly interested to, to watch as it has developed and grown into such a big thing. I've always loved radio and audio growing up listening to whether it was in, in the car, listening to the radio with my family, or when I got into journalism school, really discovering that I loved working in audio. And this was around the time that This American Life was established as a podcast and it was something that was accessible. So podcasting was was happening. This would have been around 2010, but it hadn't really gotten big yet. So that's when I first started producing radio work, but also delving a little bit into podcasting. It was when I got to the BAMP Center and was working with BAMP Center Radio that we started doing content that was both for the radio station as well as downloadable podcasts. That So, I, you know, before that at the CBC, they would kind of have these podcasts that they called podcasts, but really they were just repackaging parts of the daily show. And, you know, I learned how to do that and upload it, but really got to create stuff only for online when I was working in BAMP. And then, you know, it's such a great environment to do long form and documentary storytelling. Um, even I want to say 
eight years ago on CBC Radio, it would have been hard to find a lot of documentaries, except on a few shows. And really, with the expanding of podcasting, it's given producers more opportunities to produce those types of stories that, that involve a bit more to get into it, but you get so much more out of it, too. Can you talk to me about the podcast canvas? Yeah, of course. So uh, for those of you listening, you can find a copy of it on our website at thepodcaststudio.ca under a blog post. But the podcast canvas was originally created by Karen Unland. She's with the Alberta Podcast Network, which is sadly now defunct. But she created, you know, if you're in business or other areas, you might be familiar already with canvases and planning. But the idea here is that it's a document to help you plan a potential podcast that you might want to host or run or or do someday. And what I really love about the podcast canvas is it makes you think holistically about your show. So, you know, often people will come to me and say, I want to start a podcast. What gear do I need? And I'll say, cool. What's your podcast about? What's its format? How often do you want to release it? Because, you know, you might not need a studio space if you want to be out in the field. Uh, If you're only going to be doing remote interviews, then what you need for gear is different than if you want to be recording out in the real world. So I think that actually thinking about your concept and the story you want to tell and how you want to tell it helps figure out some of those more technical questions or small nitpicky questions around organization. So the podcast canvas really forces you to take your idea and hone it and think about what you're going to really provide with a podcast. So um, there's multiple sections on the podcast canvas. I know we'll get into them a little bit later, but uh, for those of you that want to check it out again, that's at the podcaststudio.ca and that's uh, under the blog. It's probably so helpful for people who are trying to get into podcasting too, because it can be really intimidating when you're first kind of getting started and you don't really know what to really look at or what to really look for or where to even start. Well, and the hardest part is is the idea, really. You know, it's easy to say, oh, I should go buy these microphones or do whatever. But really, if you don't have a great idea that interests you, that you want to stick with for a while to produce a series, then it's probably not going to work out anyways, right? So I, that's why I think the idea is really important. Brad, walk me through the planning process for a podcast from the initial concept to the first episode. I, I think you have to... You have to have an idea of the stories that you want to tell um, from from the very beginning. And if you if you have a, a bit of an idea of what it is you want to talk about, then you can start to to think about um, the the type of equipment that you're going to be needing to use, the type of editing software you might be looking at, and and um, podcasting is is it's, a, it's an audio format. It's, it's intimate. It's driven by the people that we talk to. And so who are the guests going to be? Who are the, who are the people you, you want to speak to? What are the voices that uh, your audience is going to hear? So part of it is, is understanding the story you want to tell. And part of it is, is who you think your audience is. And, and this, that'll shape a lot of aspects of, uh, of, of the planning process. So, so once, you've, once you've sort of figured out that, you know, these are the stories that you want to tell, um, as, as Meg was talking about with the canvas, um, you know, what's the format going to be? It's, is it going to be interview-based or is it going to have elements of documentary? 
um, then you can you can start to think about how you're going to put it together. If it's interview based, you 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 start getting some people to agree to to speak to you for expend, extended periods of time, and and if there's there's more to it, if there's an opportunity to go out in the field and to potentially record some some uh, wild sound to help tell your story, then you can start thinking about that. Um, but you you need to be prepared as well if that's what you're going to do that that you're going to want to have some of the skills and the tools to mix the piece in a way that that um, captures what a what an audio documentary looks like and and so once you've once you sort of figured those aspects out and start uh, getting out and doing the recordings and and putting those those pieces together getting the, the raw materials then you can you can start to think about you know how you're going to assemble it and um, you make break it down by by episode you know this interview will be the anchor for this episode um, this this story perhaps if it's if it's got elements of documentary will will form the basis for this episode and and um, and then the, the other aspect of this is is kind of the platform support, which we'll get into, I think, in in more detail shortly. But but understanding, um, you know, how you disseminate a podcast once you've gone to all the trouble of recording and editing it and putting it together, identifying the episodes, and then disseminating it on a, a platform. Usually, a, um, it, it has to be a website that has an RSS feed, and then you have the opportunity to distribute it through um, places like iTunes and Spotify and so on. Yeah, and I think, you know, whatever your format of your episode is, it's going to start with some planning and preparation, whether if it's interview-based that you've got your question line, you're ready to go, um, or like thinking about where you're going to go record and how you're going to approach it, then you're going to do your recording. And normally it's going through your tape and through that, that if you're doing a documentary format, you're going to be looking to your tape and then probably writing your script. So cutting your clips and figuring out how to put it together. Even if it's an interview and you're just going to edit it lightly, then you'll still want to write a script probably for an introduction or, you know, an end to your podcast. Then you'll record that narration and then you'll do a mix of everything together with all of your elements and you know as Brad said the funny thing about podcasting is we all think of the podcast as we listen to them um, and produce think that producing them is the biggest work but I actually think um, uploading marketing promoting and maintaining a podcast is probably more work than the episode itself uh, it involves a really wide skill set too Brad how do you decide on the format and structure of your podcast and what should you consider while making those decisions I think I think you kind of have to have a, um, a, a kind of a general idea of of where you, you know what what you want to do, and so you need you, you kind of need the the nub of an idea. Often it's it's a kind of story you, you want to tell. At our actual event, I was talking to um, one of the attendees who had an idea to do a podcast about pets, but with the perspective of sort of a whodunit, almost like true crime about incidents that have happened with pets, like pets getting lost, pets getting getting um, kidnapped. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, that's maybe a bit out there, but but you, you, you do kind of want to start with, with something like that. Um, you, I mean, you have to consider what equipment you have and what skill level you have as well. And... and um, Think about, start to think about who you want to share this with as well. Um, kind of like finding your niche too, right? Kind, yeah, certainly finding, finding, finding your niche, who, who your audience is going to be, 
Um, who, the, who are the people that might be interested in your story? And maybe you have an idea who, who that audience is going in. Maybe your podcast is academic in nature and it's a bunch of other academics. And all of those factors are going to influence what your podcast sounds like, the way it's written, the voices you include, the people you talk to, that kind of thing. And then, and then uh, you know, once, once you sort of have a sense of what your own capabilities are, um, then you can, you can start to, to think about um, how deep you want to go with it. Do you want to start bringing production values in, things like, like music, um, archival sound, for example, or wild sound for the field? Um, these, these things can all make, make uh, the podcast experience richer and, and more engaging, but they take work, and they, you need to know how to understand um, audio to, to be able to deliver. I mean, you don't, they don't have to be there. Lots of podcasts are just terrific and really engaging by having really strong conversations. So, um, if, if, if that's the way you're going to go, then you need to maybe dedicate a bit of time to thinking about your questions, your guests, and, um, you know, what, what sort of questions get you the the sorts of answers that are going to provide the, the, the information that you think your audience is, is going to want to hear. So, um, you know, those are, those are some, of the, some of the places to start, I think. And then, and then um, you know, having, having a bit of a sense of, of what your own abilities are as far as, as uh, editing uh, as well. And I think, you know, you've already kind of mentioned, Brad, that the easiest way to get into podcasting is interviewing, right? You know, prepping an interview and running an interview, putting an intro and extra on it is going to be easier than trying to produce a documentary. Uh, and so you might also find that maybe you want to start with the easier stuff and add in some of those other elements, maybe start adding in more music or clips or sound, maybe try doing something story-based for an episode. As your skills develop, as you do more of it, your podcast can change too. So you can always start with where you feel comfortable and move on from there. I kind of want to circle back to um, finding your niche because I think, especially when it comes to like planning your podcast and, and just understanding that there are a lot of podcasts out there. Podcasting has become really, really popular. Do you guys have any advice for maybe honing in on like what your niche is and where you might kind of find your own space in the podcasting? Yeah, I think first off, you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're passionate about. When you have 4 million podcasts that you can listen to, I think that's the most updated number at this point. Uh, I don't have time to listen to someone who sounds bored or like what they're doing is work. I, I want them to be really interested in it as well. But I think also part of it is doing a bit of research, you know, looking at other podcasts that cover similar topics or similar to what you do. And it's okay if those other podcasts exist, but actually see what those people do, see what they do well, and think about what could I, as a podcaster, bring to this that's maybe different than these other people. And so if you look at the podcast canvas, there's actually a a section where you can actually say, my podcast is like blank, but blank. Um, So the example I always like using is, it's like this American life, but only about cheese, right? So the idea is that you can actually refer to other podcasts and use them as inspiration. But think about what you would do differently. Maybe how you approach the interview is different. Maybe it's your personal experience and background. Maybe your day job informs what you would do on this podcast in a way that gives you an expertise that no one else would have. Maybe you're going to do it in rhyming couplets. Like whatever it is that's going to be unique to you, thinking about that and and sort of how you provide that value add. Because you're never going to be the only podcast on a topic, but you can definitely bring what makes you unique to make it a better listen. Mm -hmm. 
I was I was hoping I could come up with a rhyming couplet to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't give you enough time there. To... <laughs> I'm just I'm just not quick enough. Uh, but I but I think the point you make about research is 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 really important, um, and and that's always been part of my process as a as a journalist. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, I, I always where uh, I, when I was whenever I've been working on a story, I've always wanted to see what other people have done and said related to a topic and see what's been what's been reported. Um, and it's the same with podcasting a little bit, seeing what's out there and, and um, you know, understanding what the window for opportunity might be. And, you know, how does my idea, idea compare and how can I make it different or better or, um, or maybe it's so unique that there's clearly a gap in the, the podcast landscape with 4 million podcasts. Um, they're fewer and fewer all the time. But I think it's, it's, it's important to sort of understand that. And then, and then building on Meg's point again around, around the passion, um, make sure it's something you want to do. Don't do it because nobody else is doing it. There's probably a reason no one else is doing it, right? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I feel like podcasting is so vast at this point. It's like, what are people not doing? <laughs> like, even trying to find, like, that is hard, I think. Um, Brad, it is, it's important to figure out that target audience before you start. Like, do you think you could possibly do that later and kind of get started? Or do you think that's something that you need to hammer out, like, as you're planning? I think... I, I think you can. I think you can start with a with a, a good idea. Generally, if you know if if the podcast is going to be is intended for more of a general audience, I think you can you can start with a story idea, um, an idea for a series. Um, in that instance, but but there are instances where where you know podcasts um, and the podcast you're thinking about. Maybe, maybe for a very specific audience, and, and in that case, I think it's you, you really need to let your audience shape a lot of your content. Um, an example of this I can think of is a, a company in town that uses podcasting as a form of corporate communication uh, internally. So to share information about the company with their shareholders and with their employees, they they put out a podcast every few weeks or every month. Um, but it can't be something too long, and it can't be something too technical. Um, so, so all of those those factors shape the, the content. So, in in that instance, I think you really have to let your audience decide. So, in that instance, you know your audience consideration becomes uh, really really critical. Um, you can't you can't have anything too long or complicated. You want people to potentially listen to the podcast at their desk and. Um, you don't want them listening to two and a half hours of Joe Rogan, um, <laughs> and you know, and, and then there are, and then the other the other format of podcasting we've, I've referenced here is is academic podcasting, and I've I've been telling Meg about um, uh, a community partner we have with one of our field schools who's been doing a podcast for I think years now related to a very specific form of research, action research. And it's interview format, but but um, but it's intended for people who deal in action research as a as a methodology for academic scholarship. And um, so you you have to know 
uh, your audience. And I think, you know, just to bring it back for a moment to the podcast canvas, there's actually a section called the ideal listener. And I think that if the idea of thinking of a full audience is too much to begin with, think about who your ideal listener would be. Because if you think about the podcast you listen to now, they have probably been recommended to you by a friend or someone who has a similar interest. We don't tend to normally just go research and find random ones on our own. So I believe it was Zane Velge from The Strategists, a podcast here in Calgary, that said, you know, your first hundred listeners will determine your first thousand listeners. So if you can figure out who you really want to aim that podcast at to be those early adopters to go tell their friends to listen to it, that's going to help you expand your group too. So maybe if it's too much to think of a full audience, think of one or two types of people and how you can aim it to them. I think that's really great, actually. I didn't think about it that way ever. <laughs> it's kind of just like, because you, you do, you automatically kind of think of the broader audience and kind of you end up looking almost almost at the end goal, like where you want to be and what that audience looks like. But you don't necessarily start out by looking at like who your first two listeners are going to be, who your next 10 are going to look yeah, like. And like you know? the first two might be your mom and dad. Who knows? But like it may expand from there, right? So. Yeah, maybe think like it's really good. And it's yeah. not just like, hey, listen to my son's podcast. It's <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is really good. You don't need to know that it's my son, but it's my son. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you go about selecting guests or co-hosts for your podcasts and what qualities should you look for them in as individuals? Well, in radio, we have the term a good talker. So a good talker is someone who speaks with energy, who is interested, uh, who hopefully doesn't talk for too long, can take a little bit of guidance there, uh, but can give examples and anecdotes and energy and, and really wants to be there and obviously a level of expertise. And I think that's the same probably for your guests as well as your hosts. I think for co-hosts specifically, you want to think a bit about are they willing to put a bit of the work in as well if you're going to be co-hosting with someone? Are they willing to do some uh, research or preparation for interviews? Uh, are they going to be able to work with you well? You can think a bit about your your energy with that person, right? So uh, on one hand, each of your hosts can have different personalities, but do you have something together when you co-host that creates something that's really listenable and uh, and how you relate? And you'll end up working a bunch with them on this, so you want to make sure that, that you work well collaboratively, right? I think for, for guests, you can have a bit more flexibility flexibility uh, kind of depends on sometimes you have really fantastic experts or, or people who are so knowledgeable in an area that you can kind of forgive the fact that they don't have a lot of great jokes or one-liners uh, but then there's other times where you might have a guest that's so interesting to talk to they might not even have a lot to say but you just enjoy listening to them talk quite frankly I I can think of a few I've had in my career that I've really enjoyed those chats so I don't know Brad do you have any other thoughts there well yeah I mean I, I actually I was going to use the term "good talker" for sure, yeah. <laughs> but I think, but I think there's some natural, like some some um, people we can go to, and you know, in in my uh, professional days, looking to book guests for radio shows, this is this is what I would lean lean into a little bit, and and like I think of uh, any profession where people are doing a lot of talking. So lawyers who, who have to argue cases are, are often really good talkers. Um, people don't think enough about religious leaders and how often they are in front of a microphone speaking to people, often really, really good talkers, really passionate as well. Teachers, professors, these are people who are used to commanding attention. Coaches uh, sometimes can be, be really good talkers. So, I mean, I don't know if you'd want to have a podcast dedicated to just one of those groups of people, but if depending on what you're talking uh, about in your podcast, l reaching out to people with that kind of background, in addition to whatever expertise you're hoping they'll bring to your 
your conversation, I think can be a, a good strategy as well. When I, when I worked um, on a morning show in Edmonton, we used to have a, a bit of a joke. It was only kind of half a joke that we should put an American on the show every day because somehow Americans just seem really comfortable uh, talking and telling stories. They are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot to tell. <laughs> it's funny you guys both mentioned um, good talkers because immediately like, I think of a couple interviews I did where like they just simply answered my question and was like, how am I supposed to make this interesting? <laughs> you don't want to be here. And you can tell, right? Because they say like a one-liner and just answers the question and like, that's that. And it's like, okay, next question. <laughs> and, and with good talkers, the interview kind of just takes care of itself in a way that the information will come out. You can jump in. I, I know back from J school years ago, one of the best interviews they showed us was uh, the idea of uh, you get someone to tell a story and say, so how, so how did it start? And basically the rest of the interview is just, and then what happened? And then what happened? And then what happened? And that's all you need to do when you have a good talker that, that's just going to go with it, right? And, and tell you the story chronologically. And that interview itself was actually about a guy who got attacked by a beaver uh, up in uh, northern British Columbia. Yeah, he was driving a, a big truck. And uh, I think he may have hit the beaver. The beaver was under the, the mud flap of the truck, if I re recall this correctly. And he came out to like deal with it. And the beaver just lunged out and, and bit him in the leg. And uh, anyhow, the guy who does the interview, it's remarkable. Actually, it was, it's Marcus, Marcus Schwabe from CBC North, CBC Sudbury. Or he was up in the north, and now he's at CBC Sudbury doing the morning show. But the interview itself was just, it was literally two questions. It was, so how did it start? And then what's next, what's next, what's next? But the, it's one of the best interviews you'll ever hear be, because of the guest. He had, he had one story to tell, and man, he knew how to tell it. Boy, did he tell it. <laughs> Brad, how do you determine the length or frequency of your podcast episodes? I just intuitively like a podcast that's about 25 to 35 minutes. Um, this American Life, one of my favorite podcasts, goes for an hour. Um, and and I, I enjoy that hour too. But the vast majority of the podcasts that I like and enjoy tend to fall into that range. It just To me, it just seems like the sweet spot for having enough time to introduce a topic and to explore it in a fulsome way. I, there's, there's, I don't think there's any, any magic formula. Um, I, I, guess, I guess the nature of your topic in the podcast can, can shape that to a certain extent, but um, that's kind of, kind of my sense of, of podcast length. And I think, you know, there are some people that do really long podcasts very well. I don't know if I've ever made it through a whole episode of Hardcore History, if I'm being honest. I know some people love that stuff. But what I will say is that longer is not always better. And to truly be able to maintain an audience's attention for that kind of length, especially when you're starting out, would be very difficult, right? Like I feel that part of the reason people are willing to listen to those long series are sometimes because it's good and sometimes because they like the host and they know what they're getting into. So I would say don't aim for a long episode to begin, start with some shorter ones, see how you feel. And if you start thinking, oh, I could have put in more there, I could go a little longer, we can see how it works. That's probably going to put you in a better position to, to try those other formats. Well, I think it's important too to maybe consider like the lifestyle of your audience too. Because like for me personally, most of my podcasts that I listen to, it's on the way somewhere, like I'm driving somewhere, right? Yeah, commuting. And exactly. Very, very few, like few times am I spending in a full hour driving somewhere, right? But like 20 to 30 minutes, like I can get to my destination. I've listened to this full podcast from start to finish, right? And I'm still engaged and I'm still, I, I still take in all the information, right? But it's like rapid enough that like I get it all. 
but within such a time frame that I, I can actually listen to the full thing without kind of giving up on it. Because a lot of times, too, people, like, forget to come back. And I think it's kind of important to grab your audience that way. I think the only thing – any only podcast I've ever listened to, like, in full that was, like, longer than that, like, an hour was probably true crime. But even that, like, depending on the, on the scenario, you could probably do that a lot shorter, too. Um, Meg, what kind of equipment and software do you think you need? It really ranges. You know, as we said, it kind of depends, I think, on your format. I mean, if you are looking to interview people remotely, there's some pretty great and easy browser-based software these days where you could use that or even record on Zoom, get a USB microphone and have a headset. And as long as the person you're interviewing has that too, you just do it on your computer. Uh, If you're wanting to get out in the field, uh, like go outside of a studio or like an indoor space or away from your computer, then, I mean, that could range from, you know, recording on your cell phone to having a little field recorder uh, or like a bigger setup that way you know a lot of people talk about having podcast studios but very rarely do you need a true studio setup to do the work that you do like I you know still work in radio and will have had shows where I produce my show out of my house and I record my voice tracks in my closet and do my editing on my laptop so it, it kind of depends on your comfort level and what gear you have with you and then you can always consider upgrading but um, generally speaking like I think the easiest thing to do would be to start with a little field recorder maybe a little handheld microphone to plug in for for better a sound quality and some some headphones and then when it comes to software for editing there's a lot of free software out there a lot of the editing you're doing when you begin or even now I would say like if you're cleaning up interviews or stuff like that it isn't that difficult you don't need really fancy software you you know like GarageBand would work just fine Um, I know a lot of people talk about Audacity I do know there have been some concerns with recent versions of Audacity that have what's considered spyware on it so if you can try to get some older versions it can be better Um, but really whatever you have kind of available to you that's relatively affordable is a great way to start i have a really great fi- picture of um brad from the event with his <laughs> handheld held recorder and microphone <laughs> um and i remember you told the story too about um recording in your daughter's closet too so yeah, you definitely I've got, don't need i've got lot. pictures of that i you know and part part of that a little bit of that was the the pandemic and not having access to to studios but honestly when i was uh, reported with cbc and on the road um, like, like that's, that's what I would often do to record voicers is, is, um, you know, arrange myself in the closet with stuff hanging around me to, 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 cr- to sort of create a um, soundproofed environment to the extent that you could get one. But that's all you really need, especially when you're starting out is, is uh, a way to record and, um, you know, some, some extra shirts hanging there to make the, the sound a, a, a little less, um, echoey. <laughs> What are some tips for promoting and marketing a podcast to grow its audience, Brad? Because podcasting is a digital medium, the, the, the advantages of social media for promotion is, are, you know, I think really apparent. And um, so, I mean, that's, that's a really good way to, to start. You, you really want to make sure you're, you're, you're getting your podcast out on the best known platforms, iTunes, Spotify. Um, there are there are host companies like Blueberry and um, SoundCloud and um, yeah, Simplecast, uh, you know, Castos. There's there's so many of them. Yeah, Podbean. I'll just keep naming. No, I'll stop naming them. Now, but yeah, <laughs> but 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 they all but they all um, they all uh, offer, offer a way to to um, sort of promote your your podcast uh, uh, in addition to any any self promotion you do through social media as well. 
I think at the end of the day, I mean, marketing is such a different skill set than making a podcast. You do definitely need to, to, you know, get up to date on that and figuring it out. But I think it's also about knowing what your show's about, because if you know what your show's about and what you're doing and what's good about it, that's what you're going to take advantage of, whether you're posting to Instagram or how you're thinking about how you want to craft, like, do you want to start advertising it on Reddit? You know, maybe, maybe not. Um, so those are things that you can do. And, and by knowing the group that you want to hit, you can start to target those groups and where they might be hanging out on the internet. And the, there's the other thing, too, that, you know, if you're starting and you're thinking, man, I'm just good enough at figuring out podcasting right now. I'm not sure on the marketing side. You can talk to people about that. There are lots of experts out there now that you could hire to even do a bit of work and, and help you craft some of that and come up with a plan in, in terms of marketing your podcast. I recently started seeing authors on TikTok marketing their books by, like, telling their plot, basically. It's like, oh, my God, like, this and this and this happened read on for more and I, I thought that was so cool and such a like unique way to kind of get like their stories out I'm, it'd be cool to kind of see that with like podcasting too actually like book talk turns into pod talk yeah no <laughs> for real <laughs> well TikTok you know unless it gets banned that'd be really unfortunate <laughs> um how do you measure success in podcasting there's so many ways that you could go about it. I, I tend to say if you think it's going to make you a millionaire, it probably won't. If you're already a millionaire, it might make you more of a millionaire, I guess. Uh, there's so many celebrities with podcasts these days. But I think that there's so many other goals that can come out of podcasting as well. So I, I think of some of the best ones, or I guess more like easily achievable ones, is do you want to learn a new skill and get a chance to promote something or talk about it in a specific way, which I think is you know great for podcasting. Do you want to reach an audience? What is audience engagement? So maybe it's not about how many people download, but maybe you've created a community out of like maybe you, maybe only a thousand people download your podcast. But let's say five hundred of those thousand hang out at a like on like I want to think a sub a subreddit and talk about your episodes. That's huge engagement, right? That's actually a creation of community. So sometimes it's not so much about numbers, but about interactions or how you work around it. Um, I think often about evergreen content. The idea um, whether you are a company or an organization that if you produce a series, it, it doesn't go away after you post it, right? It actually stays long term, especially if you're doing things that are related to topics that that are not going away anytime soon. Uh, I think of some local nonprofits I've worked with that we work on a series together, and they like the idea that if someone learns about this topic and comes to their podcast, they can go back through the entire archives and actually learn more about this issue or this situation. So it's also a way to share information in a longer term format too, right? In a, a format, I think about some of the organizations that might do training or workshops. If they have those podcasts out there that people can go and listen to and learn more about what that organization's doing, that's going to help them out from like a marketing perspective longer term. So it isn't just that they can put it out and promote it at the beginning, that it's actually a resource they can send people to long term. So it, there's so many ways you can look at it. I mean, is it about, you know, selling big to big advertisers and making money off your series? Maybe some people do that. But I, I think there's a lot of other ways it can work too. Yeah, it's kind of like like long term promotion too. You know, because it just keeps going. The gift that keeps giving. <laughs> and it also, like, it's you never know where it can come from either. I think of one podcaster I met in town here who had a, a clarinet podcast called Clarinet. And I know that he it was actually one of the biggest clarinet-focused podcasts internationally uh, for a while. And I know that in, in the host's case, he ended up getting work 
through a read company that had bought ad space on him. Like he ended up doing their social media for a good chunk of time. I don't know if he still is because they saw how great the podcast was doing and how he was promoting that. They were like, hey, we need that for our company. So, you know, he started a podcast out of his love of clarinet and that he plays it and teaches it and ended up it turned into a job for him as well. So like you never sort of know where your networks can go when you are engaging with something that you're interested in. I think it kind of comes back to like making sure that like what you're talking about, you're passionate about too, right? Because there's no way he would have been able to find that opportunity if he wasn't passionate and he didn't love what he was talking about and like what he was speaking on, you know? If he didn't have that love of clarinets, he definitely wouldn't have gotten that advertisement. Exactly. And you wouldn't normally think, oh, my audience is going to be people who play the clarinet. But when you actually think about that from like an international angle, there are a lot of people who play the clarinet and they aren't getting their clarinet-based content anywhere else. Like it actually makes sense, right? Find your niche. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you going to find your clarinet-based content? <laughs> Brad, what are some common challenges that new podcasters face, and what advice would you give them to help them overcome those challenges? Um, I think we've I think we've mentioned a, a bunch of them. I think I think the technological curve can be pretty intimidating if you're not used to recording audio. Um, the the very process of putting a podcast on a website and getting it out there is is another huge learning curve. There's ways there's ways around that. W- one we haven't really talked about, I think, um, challenge for someone who's starting out is scripting, um, understanding how to put together um, a script to put your podcast together. You know, what, what sort of language do you use? And, and um, um, people, when people write and and write for audio, they often bring the, what they've been taught all their lives about writing for their essays and and um, annual reports and 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 those sorts of things rather than writing for the ear and and uh, writing for the ear is it's it's supposed to be very conversational and mastering that I think is 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 a a challenge for a lot of people starting out probably one of the one of the ways to address it is is to just think about writing the way you talk and then and then um you know listening to formats of other podcasts listening to the radio and the way people talk on the radio um understanding that a bit and i think that can help to put together a script that um you know will set up your 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 interview um especially when you're starting out I think too many people assume when they listen to podcasts, because they can be edited so nicely and so cleanly, um, that they aren't planned or that they aren't scripted. And I think it's fair to say that even something that is minimally scripted is still scripted a lot more than a lot of audiences think. So going in with some planning, some scripting, and, and thinking about how you present it is what's going to make it good. Even the people that kind of grab something, rip it and go off it, they've, they've either done it for years and years and years and they can, or you just don't see the script because there's no visual, right? So I think, you know, sometimes people think, oh, it just sounds so effortless. Well, anyone who's good at anything is going to make it seem effortless. I like to watch figure skating. And I can be on my couch eating Doritos, watching someone do a triple Lutz and thinking, I can do that. They make it look easy. I cannot do a triple Lutz. I barely skate, you know? And I think that's where it is too, that when someone does it really well, it's going to seem really easy. When you start with it, it might not be easy, but that doesn't mean that you can't get better at it. With scripting, like that's probably not something people without like, I guess, experience really think about. And the thing with scripts too, is that you can write the most beautiful script in the world. 
and no one is going to see it when you make audio, right? Mm -hmm. So unless you have a way of writing your content in a way that you can lift it off the page and it doesn't feel like a script, you're not reading it, you're performing it. If you can't make it work that way for your performance, it doesn't matter if it looks good, it only matters at the end if it sounds good. Along that, along those lines, um, performing a script is is another challenge that I don't think people realize. Pulling it off the page, pulling those words off this off the page in a way that's meaningful is um, it's it's hard when you haven't done it before. The best examples of it are when you listen to the radio and you hear commercials for the people who own businesses and and um, think that because they're a business owner, therefore they should they should do the voiceover for their for their commercials. And first of all, they're not written very well. Um, they use dependent clauses. As the 20-year owner of this company, like nobody talks like that. It's a dependent clause. We don't talk in dependent clauses when we're having a conversation. And then understanding once you've started to type and put words on the page or on the screen, that it that it may or may not actually be conversational when you when it comes time to perform it to read it, and and that's where experience comes in. Pulling it off the page is the, the term we keep using, but it but what it is is understanding what it is you're trying to communicate and delivering it in a way that's conversational as as opposed to how it appears necessarily on the screen, and and um, that just takes practice. You can't come to one of our podcast uh, educational presentations and, and walk away with the ability to do that. Meg, what advice do you have for someone who's just starting out in podcasting and they're unsure of what kind of content they want to create? I think the most important thing is to start creating content. Uh, I think to Karen Unland, some advice that she said at one point that was, you're never going to get to episode 10 without episode one. And so it's just accepted that, you know, your first episodes might not be that great. And you know what? If you decide you don't even want to publish them, that's okay. But you'll find that going through the process of, of trying it out, like actually preparing a question line, recording an interview, you're going to learn so much those first few times that you're going to figure out how to hone it towards the content you want and how to improve your skill set. And, you know, I, I think Brad and I can honestly say by virtue of our job, you know, I hear a lot of people that tell me about the ideas they've had for their podcasts. And you know what? They've had these ideas for a really long time. It is easy to have an idea. It is hard to act on it. When you have started, then you can refine, you can make it better, you can change it all together, or you can scrap it, right? But the one thing that you really want to think about is if you don't start on it, then you're never going to have anything anyways. That was Brad Clark and Meg Wilcox from the CPI and myself, Samantha Jolin, speaking about how to get started on your podcast. Thanks for listening. The community podcast at Mount Royal University focuses on audio storytelling as a way to better include underrepresented voices. The CPI is powered by Shaw. You can learn more and hear our shows at thepodcaststudio.ca or find us on social media at communitypodyyc.